0: You don't really know that until you actually move somewhere. Oh, the things you don't know until you move <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Even of them, they were competing to get as much of my time as possible. Like I was trying to like make it pretty equal, but like, you know, one, one guy would be like, Hey, can you give me more time this month? And another one would be like, no, I want more time. No, I want more time. That's my guest, Eric Davis, talking
1: about what happened after he became very well known for his work with the open source project management software Redmine. His focus on this niche led to him being booked solid for basically four years. I'm Philip Morgan, and this is the Consulting Pipeline podcast, where we talk about building your consulting pipeline through positioning, education-based content marketing, and marketing automation.
0: So Eric, who are you and what do you do? Um so I'm Eric Davis I run and own little stream software it's kind of a one-person uh, custom software development shop I specialize in Ruby on Rails development uh, predominantly what's called rails rescues which mm. are software projects that kind of get messed up or they're on their way to getting messed up um, it could be technological could be team could be who knows um, right you know basically the the problem childs of the software industry um, I been doing Ruby programming for gosh years now. Um, and founded little stream software in 2007 and been basically doing that free time or full time ever since you
1: at a certain point sort of became the red mine guy. Can you walk me through how you got that level of focus,
0: how you, how you established that as a niche for yourself? It's an interesting story because, um, I talked to a lot of freelancers and consultants about how they, you know, should focus and pick a niche and pick an audience and you know, how you go about that. But for me, I, I was inexperienced. I didn't really know exactly what I was doing and I kind of fell into it. Hmm. And so, so I founded little stream software in 2007 and was just doing, you know, general rails programming. I was doing other programming too, just to, to make ends meet and kind of keep, keep busy. And, I needed like a bug tracker, issue tracker, you know, kind of a system to manage my projects. And so looked around at a bunch of them, didn't really find any of that fit. And then I found this one called Redmine, which is it's open source, it uses Rails, all that. I basically picked it because it had most of the features I needed. And since it was also in Rails, also in Ruby, I could kind of go in and customize it and tweak it. So I was like, this would be a good fit, at least to get started. Um, started using it and then maybe... Five months later, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, towards the end of 2007, um, the maintainer of Redmine added kind of the ability to write plugins. Mm -hmm. So it's basically like third party code can be added in in a certain way and kind of change how the system worked. And I was like, oh, this is this is pretty neat. Like this is instead of me going in and like changing the code directly and making a big mess, I can actually write a plugin and have it have it do the stuff I want, but without having like the maintainability headaches that happens when you just go in. And so, right. around that time, I like took a look at the stuff, um, wrote a plugin, basically it was like a little reporting plugin to do uh, to kind of track like my time because um, I was logging all my time in Redmine, but it was kind of a pain to go back and look at it all. Mm-hmm. And because I was doing multiple clients at a time, I had to like you know make sure like hey, did I log it for every single client? Right. So I wrote the plugin, and I was like, well, I'll just I'll you know release it to the public, make it open source, so you know anyone else using Redmine can use it. And basically right around that time, I noticed like, oh, that was actually the first plugin that was created for Redmine, excluding the uh, sample plugin and then kind of a a tutorial plugin that the actual creator of Redmine made. Oh, wow. So I was like first in, you know, the quote market, but it, it didn't seem like that at first. I was like, oh, okay, you know, here's one you get. Anyone can use it. And a side note, that's actually. I actually use that plugin every day and I still use it. Like I just used it a few minutes ago to do some, some time reporting. Oh, wow. So that kind of in a way made a little name for myself in that community of like, oh, there's this, this other developer who knows how to do stuff. Uh
1: huh. So how did you know at that time that you'd made a name for yourself or even, even on a small scale?
0: Well, it was a very small community um, and there's um, some forums and then uh, like a kind of a group chat. At the time, anyone like you know, so the plugin stuff was public, and it was like, hey, there's a plugin system people can use. It's very new, so people were trying to experiment and see what they could do. And a lot of times, uh, either myself or the people in the community would point new people to, hey, here's the tr- here's the official documentation. But Eric also wrote this plugin. It's working. You can use it. It's it's actually a nice plugin. Okay. But if you want to see how, because it was a, it was a lot more advanced than the sample plugins. Over that year that followed, I wrote a couple more because you know as I f- saw how powerful that stuff was, was, like oh, there's some other things I want to change, you know, just for my own business, not even like to make a name for myself or anything. Mm-hmm. So I'd create a plugin, release it, and it kind of grew out of that. I started writing about how you would write a plugin, hmm. so okay. like on my blog or making documentation or that sort of thing.
1: So and- so those initial plugins, it seems like had two. Fun, two uses one they were useful in and of themselves and second they were useful for showing how to how to write a plugin
0: right okay. and that's that's the nice thing about open source and you know the kind of how the community was set up was i would put all of my code up there so you know you can download it and run it if you just want to use you know get the benefit of what it does right but you can also download it and copy my code right. and like give like rights so you can actually do that and funny thing was I mean this is this was what six years ago as of right now mm-hmm. um, I saw a new plugin that was created a couple of months ago that has actually copy and paste of kind of the code organization that I created six years ago
1: oh interesting
0: so my codes living on in other people's plugins because I developed different patterns that people use which I thought was kind of funny
1: that's it so but you maybe put invested a little extra time on the front end to make your code uh, repurposable <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it wasn't that much, really, because, um, you know, by that time, I've been doing Ruby on Rails for a few years. So, like, okay. that was kind of ingrained in, you know, basically the experience that I had. And so, I went into it, like, knowing how to write proper, well-organized code. Okay. I just did that naturally, because that's just, that's how I work now. Okay. So, it's um, more
1: more that you just, you followed best practices.
0: Yeah. and okay. then And then later on, what I did is I kind of, a lot of the people who were coming in were uh, either new to programming completely or they were new to Ruby programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they didn't know any of that. And so they would copy my plugins. I even made a plugin skeleton that had all of the organization just to like plug your code into these places. Right. Um, and between that and all the documentation and writing I was doing um, kind of gave like a good, good, good tutorial. Of like, here's how you get started. Here's how you organize it. Um, when you have a larger, more complex plugin, um, I this see. is how you would put it together. Okay.
1: Okay. So back to the story. So you're developing plugins. You're writing more of them. Uh, what did that lead to?
0: Yeah. So I was. I had a couple that I was using, um, and then at the time I was working with a client where uh, we were doing other projects together, and they were having problems with their project management system. Yeah. Um, basically, they grew out of it in it basically the easy way. Like they just it wasn't wasn't fast enough, didn't have the features they want, and I. I was having them use my Redmine here and there. And mm-hmm. they kind of enjoyed it. And so I gave them a, a full tour of it, explained how it worked. And basically they jumped on board. And so oh. I set up a Redmine instance for them. They started using it. It's it's Redmine has a lot of customability. Like you can make it work for small teams, large teams, mm-hmm. departments. It can do a lot of things. Oh. Um and so we tweaked it and kind of configured it for them. And then like pretty soon after they started using it they're like hey can you actually change some things in it for us as so like paid contracts mm-hmm. and so i would go in and change the code or write plugins and kind of customize the system more fully for them and how they work so that was kind of like the first time i actually got paid to work mm-hmm. not only on open source but also on Redmine. okay and i was like oh it's a fluke whatever and then they referred one of their clients who kind of had the same problem like they agree their project management system
2: mm-hmm.
0: went through a similar process with them um and around that time, I started to notice, like, hey, there's actually the community for Redmine's grown. There's actually a lot of companies who don't necessarily have in-house expertise on Redmine, or even you know, if they have in-house expertise on Rails, like they just they don't have the time. And you know, to go to go from like knowing Rails to knowing Redmine, it's a, uh-huh. a pretty large um, what's that called? A learning curve. Right. So like. They they actually decided, like, it's actually easier for us just to hire Eric, who has by this time probably a dozen plugins out there mm-hmm. and is already doing custom work for people um, than it would be to have one of our own in-house developers learn the mm-hmm. system. And so kind of word of mouth spread. And because I was like the only one doing it, like commercially, um, anyone who had anything more complex than like uh, simple things you can just download, mm-hmm. they're being referred to me from like pretty much everyone in the entire community.
1: So let me ask you, were these the same kind of companies? Were they in the same uh,
0: industry or, or were they pretty diverse? Uh, they were very diverse. Like the only okay. common thing between them was they use RedMind. Like I've, okay. I've done a lot with software companies just because that's, you know, I know them. I, it's a good fit for me, but I've done mm-hmm. stuff for state governments, international governments, um, mm-hmm. large universities, uh, mm-hmm. you know, small startup software stuff. Mm-hmm. Um manufacturing, uh, like an education training company. Mm-hmm. So all over the map. Um, and the only commonality is that they use Redmine and it, they just, they need a tweak for their, their industry or okay. their specific like workflows.
1: So at, at some point you started, you, you realized, wow, <laughs> there's a lot of Redmine work coming in, right? Right. Okay. Um, what did
0: you do with that realization? Um, so <sighs> first thing i was like thinking i was like oh well you know this is what a lot of people who start a one person consultancy dream of is like you know scaling up and having a you know a staff to do all the work mm-hmm. and all that uh, but one problem not really a problem but a lot of the people were coming for me they weren't coming for little stream software they weren't coming for you know hey we found you on the internet it was they want to work with me they know my knowledge my expertise right and so kind of scaling it to like add a second employee and having them do development would have been a hard sell and the second thing, um, my wife's in HR, so uh-huh. she she does some recruiting, she does hiring, firing, employee issues, you know, done all that. And I I hear some of the horror stories, you know, that you you know every industry has. And I like pretty early on decided like I don't really want to have employees, or if I do, it's gonna be way down the line. Okay. And then talking with other people about having like finding great developers and keeping them on, it's just hard to do. Right. And so what I end up doing is I kind of made a decision of I'm I'm not going to actually bring any more people on. Uh-huh. I'm going to, you know, I'll raise my rates, get them to like kind of high end in the market because I'm under such demand. Uh-huh. And I would just start referring work around. Uh-huh. And so I, I had to think half a dozen different developers. Some new Redmine, but not as good as me. Some were good Ruby developers, and then some were like really large companies. Like there's a couple companies that came in with a couple dozen developers, uh-huh. and they were doing Redmine development too. Um, but still like there was so much work coming for me. I was just like throwing probably three out of four leads out to just the crowd. And I, I couldn't help everyone. I didn't have time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was nice. I was able to really pick and choose what clients I would work with. Mm -hmm. And for a span of, I think four years, I basically wasn't taking new clients. I had three or four basically locked in Mm -hmm. and of even of them, they were competing to get as much of my time as possible. Like I was trying to like make it pretty equal, but like, you know, one, one guy would be like, Hey, can you give me more time this month? And another would be like, no, I want more time. No, I want more time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's why like, I was okay. Like referring to work. I was like, I don't, I don't need to do the dance of like, uh, you know, the sales and, Oh, we're going to negotiate a contract and all that. Okay. So you were really,
1: that was a really nice, uh, status quo, I guess, for a while. There was a lot yeah. of demand for your services you were happy with your rates you could um, you know exclude clients you thought were not going to be a good fit
0: yeah and another kind of nice benefit which is it ended up being kind of a business benefit but I didn't and looking back on upon reflection you see it but mm-hmm. I was taking I was making good enough money that I didn't have to sell all my time mm-hmm. so I took a portion of my time and kind of put it back in the community like I mm-hmm. Um, I would run the community, um, like the forums and the chat channels. I'd, you know, help out people who are getting started. I would, mm-hmm. um, one of the famous, not famous, but like a story I tell people is uh, one of the Apple events. So, you know, an hour, hour and a half ish. Mm-hmm. I had that going on on one monitor. And during the time Steve Jobs was talking... I actually created and released two new plugins for Redmine. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. I mean, they were small, but yeah. you know, they were actually useful. And I think one of them kind of took off a bit because it was, you know, just a small need everyone had. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, due to the licensing of Redmine and how, um, after talking with my attorney and all that, all of the work I had, I did had to also be re-released as open source. Okay. So. Uh, If you know what it is, it's the GPL. And so basically in my contract with a client, I would spell out, you can have this code. Like, you know, you're paying for it. You get the code. You can use it. But I also, I keep ownership and I have to release it publicly. And if someone emails me and asks for the code, I have to give it to them by law. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, I'm not allowed to use the system and it's really like really legal trouble.
1: Right. So Um, to stay compliant with Red RedMind's licensing, you had to use gpl licensing it sounds like
0: right okay um and i mean there's there's some kind of gray areas but i i went, wanted to stay on the safe side my attorney advised me on that mm-hmm. but the benefit of that was i was able to work with clients so like maybe i'd take six months work with a client we'd build a very com- like one of them like a really complex financial plugin right that uh, uh like a consultancy can take and actually do budgeting um, time analysis deliverable mm-hmm. analysis all of that for a, pro- a client project right I was able to take that six months of work put it in the open source community and another consultancy can install it and get all that benefit oh wow so you know not only the kind of the extra time that I put aside but a lot of the billable work I was doing
2: mm-hmm.
0: was actually just feeding into this big portfolio of plugins that I was kind of creating and you know a lot of the, some of them were very customized like you, one of them, unless you ran like an IT department for a major university, you're not going to use this plugin. Right. But it's out there and it showed examples of how to do some complex, um, some complex cor- queries and stuff like that. So uh, I think at last count, and this would be four or five years time, I created over a hundred plugins, either straight for open source or for clients that end up being open source. Um, and some of them were large software projects on their own.
1: Holy holy cow. <laughs> yeah. So there was a feedback loop between the work you were doing and, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, the publicity that it was creating for you.
0: Exactly. Okay. Yeah, like one client, uh, they wanted some work to kind of help manage tasks for their employees. So they hired me to make a custom plugin.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I released the plugin. Um, another person came along, they liked the plugin, but wanted some changes. So they hired me to make changes to that plugin. So I did that, you know, released a new version of that plugin. And that person who came to me ended up hiring me and becoming a three or four year long-term client um, where I wrote other plugins for them would release those which would draw in more clients. Like it was this really tight feedback loop. So you, you had a niche or a focus
1: and it just kind of happened almost, well, you were a participant in it, but. I stumbled in it, basically. You, you sort of stumbled into it. The opportunity yeah. presented itself. So at some point, were you, were you like conscious that this is something you were doing as a business development tool?
0: Yeah. Um, a few years into it, I started noticing because I was, you know, the community was growing. I started to see like I would release a plugin or write some documentation or do a blog post or even help someone out in chat. And I could see kind of indirectly, but I could see the benefit coming back to being new leads or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so once I started noticing that I started analyzing, and this is kind of where I started looking back and kind of, you know, connecting all the dots through what I've done. And I realized like, Oh, okay. So this is, you know, the actually writing code and creating plugins ended up being one of my main marketing strategies. Oh, And so, you know, once I, once I knew what I was doing and was able to see that, I was able to kind of like, okay, now I can focus. Now I don't feel guilty about taking a day off from client work to work on kind of a personal project because it's not a personal project anymore. It's now a marketing project. Oh, interesting. You got to a point that a lot of people, I I
1: think, struggle to get to. They struggle to pick a focus and they struggle with the fear that comes from doing that because they're afraid that. If they just pick one thing, they're going to, and that one thing, let's say, currently represents 25% of their work, that they're forever going to be limited to (laughs) having, you know, 25% of the potential clients out there. But that's not
0: what happened with you, right? Right. And I mean, it's, I focused on Redmine. I focused, that's where kind of my primary, primarily like all my income was coming from near the end. Mm -hmm but I wasn't declining other Rails projects if they were a good fit. Now, I declined a lot of them because it wouldn't be a good fit because of, it would take a lot of time to learn the new code base, like uh-huh. say a company came to me, but there was, um, i trying to count, there was at least two that came to me that I took on while I was doing kind of, you know in the Redmine area. In fact, one of them was actually a client who we got started with Redmine stuff that he had other um, kind of IT projects he wanted me to work on with them. Uh-huh. But the thing the thing was, is I was focusing kind of my outward marketing, my outward, um, for lack of a better term, my image, my branding on being the red mind stuff. But and I wasn't actually flat out rejecting other work. You know, if other work came to me, that's fine. I would take it if it fit. And I think I think people get stuck on that. Like they think if I, you know, focus on, say, you know, I do. PHP plugins for e-commerce sites. Uh Well, if someone comes to you with, say, a membership site, you can still do work for them. You know, if someone comes to you with like a heavy content blog, you can still do work for them. You know, it might not be like the shining star you put in your portfolio. And, you know, you might have a bit of a difficulty trying to understand Uh the different model, the different way it works. But, Uh you know, your marketing can still target e-commerce systems.
1: That, I think, is such a critical point. When when clients came to you with those uh, let's call them outlier projects not not in your focus but either adjacent to it or or compatible with it did, did they um, acknowledge like hey I know you're the Redmine guy but we've got this other project or how, how did that conversation go?
0: Um, one of them, yeah, like the one who we got started you know in Redmine, he said, "Hey, I have this other project. It's." using this technology, we're having some problems with XYZ. I see you've done XYZ in Redmine. I wonder if you can take a look at it and maybe help us. So it's very low-key, very, um, you know, we know, I basically he was saying like, I know what you know what you're doing in this place, but could you take a look over here? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so we ended up doing a little bit of work on that. Um, another one, which I'm thinking of, it was actually a referral. Like one company I was doing, Redmine work for said, hey, we have this, uh, this associate that has a rails project would you be interested i was like yeah sure i'll talk to him you know at the very worst case i could kind of give him some pointers of like you know hey use this as a resource or i know this other uh consultant who can help you out and it ended up you know we hit it off it was a pretty good project i was interested in it and we just worked together um i don't i think we might have talked to red talked about Redmine just as like the introduction of like what do you do but it never mm-hmm. came up after that
1: did you ever have a point when you said Oh shit, I'm pigeonholed forever as the red mine guy. I'll never do any other kind of work again.
0: Yeah, yeah, that actually happened a few years ago. I um, don't remember the date offhand. Sure. Um, but it wasn't, it was, it was a bit more than that. Um, there was basically, I mean, it, there was some growing pains going on in the community. Uh-huh. Um, I was pushing the envelope technology wise with my clients. Uh-huh. Um, and so basically what it would be is I would, I would do whatever I could technology wise for them to get it to work for them. And then I would try to extract out the portions that would be like, I think more than this one company could use it. Like this is a kind of common feature or a common plugin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it's, it's hard sometimes because to kind of extract and make it more generic and make it work for everyone, it takes a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lag of uh, some stuff that was taken like a year, year and a half to get out and get into the main thing. And, um, it was causing some tension because I was like trying to pull the project in one direction with all that stuff mm-hmm. because I was focused on my clients what their business were doing, what kind of problems they were solving yeah um and then on the other side is I was basically working this one code base like it it's nice because I learned it like I could still tell you you know what different classes and stuff do, and I haven't looked at it in huh. a couple of years, like I still know how it's organized and how it works yeah. but uh you kind of run into the same stuff like you know you know you're gonna trip over this code over here this code over here just doesn't quite work right or Mm -hmm. you know there's some odd decisions for the design of this thing it works but you have to like work around it and it i mean to kind of sum it up i was just getting bored like i was Mm -hmm. it wasn't challenging me anymore like you know when i got started it was a large code base um there's a lot to do and so i was challenged by it and Mm -hmm. Later on the client projects, they had some challenging aspects, but it was maybe like ninety percent of you know day-to-day normal development and then ten percent of like a bit of a challenge.
2: Mm,
0: okay and so a couple of years ago I basically said like look like, like uh, I'm not enjoying this. And so I actually kind of stepped back away from the kind of the public and being in the community for Redmine mm-hmm. and said, you yeah, know, I'm still supporting my clients. I'll still I might take on a client here or there, but I'm I'm kind of pulling back from a lot of the 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 public spotlight on this, yeah. and then uh, a little bit after that, I even pulled back farther and transitioned some clients to work with other consultants and uh, not fired, but kind of transitioned away from working with a lot of my clients. Right. Um, I still do work for two of them, but it's uh, it's maybe a tenth of the amount that it was at that busy time. Okay. And um, you know, basically, when I did that, I kind of uh, I refocus and kind of went into more. Of not generic, but kind of the regular rail stuff, uh, basically looking for another niche, like another area to specialize in, you know, whether it be, um, like the classic niches people think about where like an industry or whatever, mm-hmm. or what, like what I was doing where I focused on a technology. Um, right. And so, I mean, it was hard. I've will admit, like I took kind of a hit on the income. Uh, yeah. it was stressful. I still, I mean, this was, like I said, two or three years ago, I still have People emailing me, "Hey, can you help me with this Redmine project?" Or "Hey, we want to hire you." Yeah. So, like, all that marketing is still like all the code's still out there. It's people can still use it, and it's still drawing people to me, even though I've made it public a couple of times that I'm I'm not open for business with Redmine for the mm-hmm. most part. Right. Um, I recently reopened just because I, I wanted to help some people out.
1: Okay, so so you had uh, what I I think I could describe as the freelancer's uh, dream for a while. You had a steady supply of clients, you were in demand, you could uh, set rates that that were premium rates that you were really happy with, and your clients seemed to have no problem paying. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for a new focus now. What did you learn from that first experience as the guy for something that you would do differently now?
0: One thing I learned was it's easier to be more focused and actually make a decision instead of falling into it um falling into it worked and the end result was good
2: mm-hmm.
0: but for the first i would say at least for the first year if not the first 18 months i was very on the fence like it wasn't until i was actually working with clients for Redmind for about a year before i was like yeah this is this is something i do it was mm-hmm. just you know another project and then another another project I'm like hmm, it's rather the same but i didn't i didn't draw the the connections i see um so I think if you know, if I kind of knew what I was doing or kind of can look back and say, like, yeah, look, I'm kind of not getting pigeonholed, but I'm like really focusing on Redmind, mm-hmm. I could have within a couple of months came out and at that time, like I said, there was very few other developers, there's very few plugins. If I did like the marketing, the different kind of uh strategies I did later, if I did that early on, mm-hmm. It would have been the results probably would have been two or three times of what they were like, because there was a huge pent up demand there. Mm. And if I came out and just said, hey, I'm I'm the red mine guy and had the confidence in that.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, It would have it would have been crazy and it would have been um, would have happened a lot faster than the three or four years that it took.
1: Interesting.
0: So, like I said, I kind of fell into it and I didn't really. I didn't really look at all the components involved. And so there were some things that. Once I became known and, you know, was in the niche, I kind of regretted of, yeah, this, you know, this, this works for me, but there's some things that irritate me or there's, like I said, the code, it's a very old code base. And so there's, Uh um, I kind of pride myself on, I do, you know, what's called clean code. I have Uh a lot of tests. I basically make it so it's really easy to maintain. And there are some portions in Redmine that didn't meet my quality standards, I guess. Uh And so I kind of, it. It bugged me and it graded on me and I eventually like, you know, worked with the other developers and got it fixed up. But um, if I actually was focused and picked that up front, I might not have worked in that in that uh, that application because it wasn't a good fit for my the way I work and kind of the stuff I'd bring to clients. Right. Um, so I might have looked at like another application or did a different niche.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um And so that's kind of what I've done, I guess, a few months ago and then more recently, I guess, last month or whatever where I actually took a more focused approach and like figured out, okay, what do I want to work with? Let me research it, see how it works, see if it's going to be a good fit, um, you know, pro and con analysis type thing.
1: Okay, so your criteria for picking a niche for you uh, has some, you know, some personal characteristics to it. Like, do I like the software? Do I really agree with uh, how it's been designed? Is it something I want to spend years (laughs) working with, right? Right. Uh, what else do you look for when you're trying to find a niche, that next niche for you to focus on?
0: Um, one thing i kind of, uh, so I give a lot of advice to other consultants and stuff. And I kind of, make, kind of I don't know if I came up with it, but I have like this thing where it's the good, bad, and ugly for when you're looking at clients, like mm-hmm. what are the good qualities and good traits they have? What are the bad ones? And then what are the ugly ones? Mm-hmm. And ugly ones are like fireball offenses. Like if they have three of those, they're out or whatever. Mm-hmm what I've been kind of taking in different lens is t- taking that framework and applying that to the niche or the specialty I want to work in. So like what's good about it? Like, so one of the, I'm phasing out of it now, but one niche I was working on was, and this is one reason why I'm phasing out. It's hard to describe. It was custom software development for email marketing and email marketing systems, mm-hmm. which is a mouthful, which is, <laughs> I, I had a hard time explaining to clients what I did. Um, but the good thing about that is I've been working with email, both from like server IT level all the way up to marketing level for you know, about a decade now. Right. Um, I know it. I do a lot of it. Um, a bad thing is I can't explain it. There's not a lot of companies that actually have their problem clearly defined to be that. Um, and then what ended up killing that niche for me was basically you know the ugly thing of you can't find clients with that focus or that kind of criteria. Mm -hmm. You know, I might find, I might find a company that has that problem, but I can't just like go to the Redmine forums and find a bunch of people that Mm -hmm. are talking about that problem or go to, um, like an industry conference for that group. And so that's, that's kind of the way I'm looking at niches now and like, you know, put it into this framework, figure out the good, the bad, the ugly, Mm -hmm. and then kind of using that to feedback into, okay, a bad, a bad thing might be like, I need a a sales staff or I might need more developers to take on this project, which Mm -hmm. for my personal reasons, wouldn't be a good fit.
1: Right. That's a really useful framework. That's awesome.
0: Well, Eric, how, how can people find out more about you? So I, my consulting stuff is on littlestreamsoftware.com. Um, all one word or, you know, there's no hyphens or anything. Um, I, I'm on Twitter, uh, edavis10, the number 10. I'm pretty much E Davis 10 all over the place. So if you see that, that's probably me. Um, I also have a a blog that's more for consultants and freelancers at Mm -hmm. theadmin.org. It's on a separate one because that was like actually like a blog I set up in, I don't know, 2004, 2005, long, long time ago. Um, And yeah, and if you, you know, people have questions or whatever, um, they can talk to me on Twitter or there's a way to contact me on LittleStream Software and I'd be happy to talk with people.
1: That's it for this episode of the Consulting Pipeline podcast. Thanks to my guest, Eric Davis. Again, you can find Eric online at littlestreamsoftware.com, theadmin.org, and on Twitter at edavis10. You can find more episodes of this podcast online at consultingpipelinepodcast.com. Again, I'm Philip Morgan, and I hope to see you again next week.